Hey, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite medium response show. I'm just so excited we're in the same box. And I'm TK. You can find him at Nico Action. You can find me at TK Elemental. And over there... You can find me at Kev O'Reilly. And since this is a uh, comic broadcast, I'm going to slide myself over here. And we're going to do one of these. Woo! I'm gonna edit you guys a little smaller because I get that I get where that's huge. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I love my face. <laughs> so much face. Okay, but uh, we're not here to talk about my face, although I could probably talk about my face way too much. We are here to talk about the current Spider-Man event, Gang War. Um, you know, calling it a Spider-Man event kind of feels a little unfair because it's not just a Spider-Man event. It's sort of an event for the entirety of the Marvel street teams, street level. I know we don't love the term street level because of the implications that sometimes come along with the word street. What I literally mean is the people on the ground. Like we're talking about Daredevil and Spider-Man and both Daredevils and both Spider-Men. Okay, interesting. Um, but- Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a weird thing because it's... We're talking about heroes dealing with very much not supernatural crime. Very much like the drug trade, human trafficking, uh, you know, uh, protection rackets. And the people who do that stuff, some of whom are superpowered, sure, but uh, a lot of whom are, despite their superpowers, are using them just to do like what we think criminals in gangs would do without superpowers. And the heroes that are here are the ones that are addressing that. Uh, in the case of somebody like Spider Woman, you know, the thing I associate Spider Woman with most overall is being a scroll so that's like as cosmic as you can get and then most recently it's going out into space with the x-men and miss marvel or captain marvel to do a giant brood adventure again really cosmic not a street level thing so like i she's not a street level hero but this is really street level for her and you know i love that you brought up the varanky panky of it all because you know some of these characters that are in this feel like they're coming out of nowhere. I love Daredevil and Spider-Man's relationship. This isn't that Daredevil. Um, I love Luke Cage being mayor of New York, but then Luke Cage is mayor of New York, not Spider-Man's backup titles lackey. And like a lot of stuff feels a little uneven about this. I'm pro gang. Hold on. Um, I am in favor of the comic book event gang war. Um, but I do feel like we are maybe off to a little bit of a rocky start. And I think you bring up the immediate really good point. And the thing that it always comes back to is publication and editorial. This, the gangs of Amazing Spider-Man has been one of Zeb Wells's two babies uh, when it comes to this Amazing Spider-Man title, which has gotten a ton of hype. And it's really been like, you know, this is the next big turn for Spider-Man after the last time we rebooted this book and we got uh, a six month jump and what happened and why aren't he and MJ together and all this stuff uh, that played out. And that's been another really big thing, but tangential to all that and, and parallel to all that has been tombstone is in the mix. Tombstone's daughter is in the mix. Uh, White rabbit is there. And all of these people 
are doing crime, like really gang level crime. They are not trying to, uh, you know, put an asteroid into space so that they can bring their minions there and take over the world. They're really trying to control turf and do that type of stuff. And so that's been a big part of the run. It's been very expected. But everybody who is involved could have used a piece of the pie at the same time that Spider-Man started. I have loved Elektra in the Elektra book, or sorry, in the Daredevil book that came before this. Uh, I could have, we've been talking forever about how we kind of thought we were getting uh, some something more Elektra-y or that uh, what ended up being the next volume of Chip Zdarsky's run, the final volume, would be maybe called Daredevils and would be both of them. Uh, despite the fact that it's a lot of hand over fist business. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. um, they were in the city a lot. Like that could have planted some seeds for why uh, Electra is so involved in this. Uh, Miles has been doing a lot of carnage stuff, which is actually getting referenced here. But like, uh, he maybe could have been a little more in on this. Luke Cage hasn't had a book in forever and has deserved one being mayor, black mayor of New York. Uh, after the Thunderbolts run Thunderbolts run that ran last year, not the Thunderbolts run that's just starting also could have been a street level crime book. She Hulk. I mean, there's just so many places in which this huge, look at this huge rogues gallery of villains that we're looking at. They didn't all just have to show up either for Spider-Man or out of the blue. And then this event could have been a really cool crossover that reminded us about this kind of swath of the Marvel universe that we've sort of been ignoring. What do you got? Did you ever notice Spider-Boy? Yeah. In the upper left corner? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have not noticed Spider-Boy there even once. Yeah. Um, And I forget if he's on the checklist. I didn't remember seeing him there. Uh, But, you know, I'm sure he will show up at some point. Um. I don't like that. That's another, yeah, that's another one. Uh, but then, of course, you know, my big question was, um, who is not here? Who, who's, who, who are you not seeing that you think should be here? You know, I feel like for Gang War, I would expect to see Venom. I would expect maybe a slightly deeper cut for us, like Black Tarantula. Um, I would expect to see. Um, there's a lot of people. I'm sort of, you know, I feel like. Uh, the Magia aren't really represented fully. They actually are. Really? How? Yeah. I, in, in a lot of words and maps, but their their presence looms yeah. large, despite the fact that, yeah, we're not really. It's a funny. So it's a Tolkien vibe. Yes. Okay. Very much so. Um, you know, I, I am kind of like, I'm interested in how this is going to go because, you know, we're saying so many great things about this gang war event, and I'm really ready to make gangway for gang war. But my concern, hey, time scales, right? My concern comes in is like, is this going to be Scorsese's Gangs of New York with post Kramer versus Kramer Streep? Or is this going to be Gangs of New York by Scorsese with post there's something about Mary Diaz? And like, that's kind of where my concern lies. And I think it's going to be the Warriors with kind of aspirations for Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, so what I'm hearing is the dark goonies and <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I mean, are you not seeing it right in front of you? I, this is such a, this is such a great rogues gallery and like yet a terrible rogues gallery. 
I love every fucking idiot villain on this list. Everybody who knows my Daredevil love knows that I think Leland Owsley is like one of the greatest villains of all time. But, Although musically, oh wait, no, there he is. Yeah, he's there, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But like his equal opposite is the nightmare to his upper left, which is of course my least favorite White Rabbit. Um, but then is that our precious Mary down in front? Yep, that is Mary. Uh, who this brings, me, this brings me to my point. Um, one of mine uh, for characters that could be here that are not uh, is the Uncanny Spider-Man. Uh, Truly, Kurt great. Wagner. Mm -hmm. And if you try and throw at me, but like shipping dates and who knows if he'll still be uncanny spider-man when gang war takes place mary for all we know for where we are in the book is in uh van heim or one she's she's not on this plane mama busy she's re she read realm of x she's doing something entirely different and if she's there that means at some point she's showing up uh and this is always again i just i go real hard on on the offices at marvel not on the creatives because everybody's writing to their best ability and i think anybody nobody who writes comics wants to be restricted anybody who is writing mm -hmm. i think would love to be able to reference their favorite character as being around people yep. get told a lot you can't have this person we don't know where they'll be or if they make a suggestion for like well why wouldn't kurt be there this book could get delayed who knows you know we, we can't spoil anything so a lot of there's a refusal to coordinate and lock stuff down that prevents us from getting interesting ideas served while at the same time sometimes characters just get thrown in and nobody cares mary is a perfect example if we're not seeing somebody like Kurt, who is a spider person right now. Why are we seeing someone like Mary, who's the spider person in New York right now? Mary is not in New York at all. Uh, and might not, I mean, like, spoiler alert, I guess she survives Realm of X because she's here. So yeah. it's, a, it's a bummer when the offices just don't coordinate at all anymore, especially when you grew up in a time where you would get a lot of like crystal was on the moon, but she came down to yell at Quicksilver, which is why you're looking at her here right now. And I feel like some of this is actually just cover reads like Shang-Chi. He might be evil now. So they're just putting him in a, in a grimace pose. And yeah. I understand the role he's playing here, right? He's playing the unlikely villain. He's playing, um, he's playing a part. He's, he's not... playing angel and co running Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, yeah, he's serving a purpose, not actually engaging evil. But then the problem I find here becomes, what is he offering? Like, what is the significance? Because it's not a significant read. It's just sort of like, oh, now they know he runs this evil society. That's it. That's the end of the story. And we find out that he's controlling... Uh chinatown which like uh, again like i don't uh, we're getting into kind of racial stereotype territory people are gangs are controlling large swaths of new york and something like we've seen with the deadly oh. weapon society oh hey there ghost rider could be involved in this there's why, no reason it, why yeah, not he was in Shadowlands, exactly. so it would have made sense here um I looking at kind of who has control of what I'm sort of like the deadly weapon society has a ton of resources, a family of five that have insane abilities. Why are they controlling the entire lower part of Manhattan or like Chinatown in the lower East side, the Bowery? Uh, it's just sort of, it feels like because we are such big Shang-Chi evangelists and spent 2021 into 2022 reading through a 
big push for Shang-Chi that just stopped one day and went nowhere. Seeing something like this, seeing him get just kind of a mention at the start of this and knowing that he's getting a one-shot where other characters are getting full books, you know, full minis, it's just kind of confusing. And if for no other reason, it sort of devalues the nature of how this is a Marvel Universe crossover. Like, it's not a Spider-Man crossover anymore because Spider-Man serves almost no purpose in this. Everybody has as much of a stake. Like, one of the things I can't help but notice is they're talking about the Fisk, the Fisk Accords, you know, the whole no more superhumans in New York that most books just ignore. Yep. But Spider-Man has been really about it, even though it's a daredevil idea. And it's, it's a, a daredevil idea with the champion, you know, that affects the champions because of Kamala's law. And then there's the Kamala's law thing. And so Miles, you know, goes back to outlawed. That makes sense. But then like Miles isn't really getting credit for going back to outlawed on this and how he's kind of like the constant through on this story. They even make jokes about how Peter literally steps away from the story. Well, and they make not jokes about peter's stepping away from like just being gone for six months yeah and miles having to hold down being a spider person and just kind of feeling like you just up and left me dude that's really not cool um but yeah i mean at the same time we're talking about a world in which for the entirety of the time that uh the fisk laws existed the x-men had uh diplomatic outposts slash you know they had the treehouse which was awesome we love the treehouse uh but it was weird that it was only mentioned in devil's reign and then kind of never talked about again even though it was a very active spot uh you know the fantastic four we kind of never really get a sense of when they leave uh new york because they <laughs> put the Baxter building in a time loop. There's just like, you're never getting super heroics out of Manhattan. And so this almost would make more sense as rather than being gang war. It's like the culmination of, we just can't keep doing the Fisk Accords uh, throughout the Marvel universe. And here's why. And then maybe we don't have to say, this is a really big event. Look at all these people. But this is just a Spider-Man event because we can't really offer you anything because none of these heroes have ongoing books or get regular titles. If you want to invest in this, it's the core book, which is Amazing Spider-Man. There is no just gang war book. And then all of the tie-ins, which are just gang war stories that are minis that you can't hang on to for anything else. Uh, and we'll get into that when we talk about like Electra and Luke Cage, two people who we've wanted to have books. And so it's great to see their solo stories. But the fact that they're coming out of nowhere just to serve as gang war and doing dual duty of promoting gang war while also kind of being told they're not important to it because it's a Spider-Man story. It's a little tough to balance. And, you know, I think the thing you highlight with there is no gang war book it's amazing spider-man part of what that does is that frames that this event is spider-man for the next six months and that's like part of the part that's so difficult to extract this event from spider-man then even though it, look at all of the people it's also about so one of the things i walk away from this with is i guess no spider-verse this fall right because it's going to be this until uh i'm sorry i meant you know this winter but it's gonna be this until march until april maybe may even so i i find myself maybe compelled that 
37 and 38 felt like they had nothing to fucking do with this event. They each had two pages. It was kind of too much. It was kind of over the top. It did not feel like this event started with a bang. So it kind of worries me how long it's going to kind of keep going. It was a little annoying that those got put on the checklist and called prologue. Uh, because they actually could have had something to do with this. Because again, we're in New York the whole time and we're dealing with another super heroic person that has a lot of stake in what goes on in New York and has an outpost in New York, Madeline Pryor with her limbo embassy, because the, you know, the, the first uh, issue 37, it's Spider-Man and my favorite spider person to hang out with Spider-Man rec rap. Uh, who is just the biggest, sweetest goofball demon boy spider person. I just think he's really funny and fun. Uh, he is basically the Nico of spider people. Um, and, you know, they do whatever. They do like a, a, a limbo demon post dark web thing, which we're a year out. That's a little... It's weird that this is marked as a gang war thing and not a can you believe it's been a year since dark web thing? Yes. But whatever, that is what it is. At the end of the day, they actually had a perfectly good place to on-ramp more uh, gang war stuff by kind of including Madeline and including Rec Rap and being like, they actually have been hearing, you know, their ears to the ground have kind of allowed them to hear that some of this stuff is happening rather than just have it be a sort of caper with limbo and demons where at the very end we get kind of a cut in that's like hey don't forget we do be gang warren and you know that's the thing that i think made 37 and 38 frustrating number one i love rec rap the joke gets a little hard especially with all of the drama going on people are shot people are dead people are doing hostile takeovers I actually resent kind of sort of that the wedding issue isn't part of this prelude. Um, so much of gang warp is predicated on the not quite wedding of Robbie and uh, Beetle, um, which is daughter a little, of Tombstone. Yeah. Which is a little frustrating because that issue, great issue, um, a little too packed. It has the moment that sets all of this in play, which is Madame Mask is murdered in a book she's appeared in twice. So that's a huge point of frustration for me. So many of the characters in this that are making power plays and having big moments and big moves, they're characters that have barely been in this book. Whereas like, you know, we were saying Kamala earlier, Kamala died in this book. And where is she when this feels so much like it's about Kamala's law? Yeah. Um, it's, it just, you just kind of don't get any solid footing. Uh, and it's tough to, if you are invested in this book, which like, I am not the biggest, but look at how great Rec Rap is. Just look at him there. His tongue hanging out. Um, I feel like I am not the most invested in Spider, Spider-Man, especially Amazing Spider-Man or Dan Slott's Spider-Man. But, like, I've read every issue. I keep up with them. I know what's going on. And I still feel like I just don't know what I was supposed to be walking into this whole thing with. Who I was supposed to be looking at, 
you know, of the villain. And when I read, uh, I'm, I'm like, not trying to hype up the X-Men too much. You guys know I'm very critical, but like when I read an X book, there's a lot of stuff with the villains where like, I know the backstory. I know who to love to hate. I know who to just hate altogether. Uh, I understand what everybody's stake is in it. It's, you know, almost kind of the opposite problem where they've just been brewing the stakes with people for so long that uh, we're kind of, the burn has been slow the entire time with this. It's just kind of like, I mean, White Rabbit has been a huge presence in these books. But then, like, yeah, Madam Mask really has not been. Uh, Leland Owlsley has not been. There's so many of the uh, gang leaders that are mentioned and that even you see in this cover are not super discussed. So the idea that now we're kind of referencing all of them like one after the other, and we're seeing maps of the territories they control. Count Nefaria really uh, not mentioned in this book very much prior to this. And then suddenly there's a whole thing about like a power play made against him, what the Magi are doing, and it's all just spoken about. Uh, we're not getting a lot of show. And it's like, oh, I can't believe somebody put a hit out on Madame Mask, and that's how she died in the wedding issue. Oh, but no one would ever believe it was her father. Oh, but it was her father. Oh, but it doesn't matter. And, like, Madame Mask ultimately isn't dead. So, like, first of all, this villain, Repo, this was this was my breaking point, actually. I am a fan of Zeb Wells. Um, I like a lot of his, his pieces here and there. But this felt almost exactly like um, the villains from Hellions. This felt so much like I was looking right at um, the Locust file again. Just this big demon with a white sheet face, looking kind of ghastly and creepy. He is evidently the Repo Man that had been going after Peter Parker in the previous run before Zeb Wells, who was still going after him in this run and had his soul sucked out during um dark web and he's right it just does nothing for gang war it's not even that interesting unfortunately it's just the weak part of the issue it's yeah I, it absolutely is uh and the repo man the, the you know the guy who literally is trying to get money out of peter parker is a thing like that has been a clearly established thing uh it's weird to be reading this and taking notes and granted this came out a couple months before but broadly at the same time that madeline Pryor is really coming into her dark herodom uh where she's not really doing infernos anymore she's not really throwing demons at people who are good people for no reason just because she's angry or because it's chaotic uh she's kind of you know, trying to gather people who have good hearts but have darkness inside them and give them a place to be good people. But this is one of her subjects. Uh, and this is... She could stop this immediately. And it just feels like Zeb Wells, who had some skin in the game of Madeline Pryor Reformation, kind of... just wanted to do the story he wanted to do, so... Here we go. Uh, I just don't really know how to work with it. And yeah, it, this doesn't really have anything to do with gang war. And again, it could have. Uh, this Madeline is in Manhattan. She would be aware of all these criminals too. Fisk would love to talk to her. Mary and she would have interesting conversations. Hobgoblin probably interested in the Goblin Queen. There's no reason why she wouldn't have 
you know, a, a, a claim on some territory that she's going to protect agreements to be left alone. Otherwise she'll go scorched earth on some of these villains. Anything that would tie some of this limbo stuff to gang war in a way that made the on ramp feel a little smoother and like a little more of a, a gradual curve instead of just like flat limbo story straight up the track for two pages of gang war stuff. Which is why when I read uh, Gang War First Strike, the one shot that kicks off Gang War itself, I felt like I was getting hit in the head. I I really enjoyed the issue, actually. Um, it got my highest uh, event score and one of my highest issue scores of the episode. But I felt this was a clunky chunker. This was um, a lot of cool ideas. A lot of really interesting things I wanted to see happen, but um, it felt like a lot of repeats of the same thing. And I have this clear memory. Joey Q, you know, Joey Casada, you know, when Joe Casada, hey. hey, cup of Joe. When Joe Casada took over for editor-in-chief, the first thing he did was tell Chris Claremont, I don't know who promised you you could be on these books as long as you wanted for your return. We're done with this. I'm trying to read Uncanny X-Men. I can't figure out how to read Uncanny X-Men and X-Men and X-Men Unlimited. It's all too crossed over. It's all too interconnected. I had somebody try to read the fourth issue of the, the series and found out they had to read five issues of the other book and two issues of the other one and had to read one more of this to get all the answers. No. People literally do tap out on not being able to follow the structure and how far back some of this tombstone and white rabbit stuff is stretching actually doesn't feel um, satisfying. It doesn't feel like a payoff. It feels like an investment that better have good return. And that's where I'm a little like, mm. I also love this new beetle. I don't love her as a villain. Um, it can't end with her evil. If it does, it's kind of got a who cares kind of vibe then. Um, she could start a new Slingers. That'd be cool. But I don't know. I thought that First Strike was the right move, but the right move in a weird run. I just, I would have made this Gang War Zero. Yeah. And I would have put it before anything else. Amazing Spider-Man Annual Gang War. But then we would have lost the Amazing Spider-Man Annual with the uh, Hallow's Eve. Which we so desperately needed. We so desperately uh, needed. <laughs> um, this, I would have maybe even made this like 60 pages mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, done the map. I would have probably gotten, like, it's so weird. People are either completely overusing or completely underutilizing data page trends. Yes. Uh, this, we're getting a map that is consistently up to, because the other thing y'all got to know about gang war, it's a war of gangs. Uh, but this whole event is taking place in like 48 hours. Uh, oh, Lord. Rough stuff because this is going till March. Very, very rough. Ill-advised to do this. I think um, if you can get me in like the first week is the last, the, the first issue is released the last week of December and the final issue is the first week of March that amount of time for a 48 hour story okay okay maybe uh this one this is gonna run long this is going to run long it's very expansive uh i like i said i've been following this i pay attention to this book 
I needed a lot of background information that I did not have. Uh, not only to be reminded of all of the references in this monthly released book that is doing a ton of expository, this is what the criminals are up to stuff, but also a lot of the criminals aren't in this book. Wilson Fisk is not in this book. Wilson Fisk is barely in this reality. I do not know how they're getting him here. So that's a big one. Um, in the most recent show, Miles Morales, which we'll talk about, Frost Pharaoh shows up. I gather he's been around, but that's one I needed catching up on as well. I just really could have used a lot more background information to sort of tee up exactly what's happening here because what it it's a good issue it's it has a great pattern of like the criminals are 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 something's building like something's brewing but the problem is when it gets to like almost a rolling boil it has started to become well he double crossed her who double crossed him who double crossed that guy and that guy's dead so uh we're all in on it like they're all every there's a there's a part where everybody's like I double crossed you and I double crossed you and finally somebody's just like hey hey just kidding we all want chaos the bitch is safe fuck you <laughs> fuck you I fuck wish you. somebody would come in and do that just like kind of clear the table a little bit it's that's Shang Chi yeah Shang Chi is the person who's like fuck all the actual criminals I'm gonna worry about uh, the five deadly weapons society um it is. I'm I'm both asking for more information and saying that this is already too much information. Well, and I think part of the problem, and like this is something I was talking about. I would pay for a subscription to a playlist. Like I would pay the five dollars a year to get I guess it would have to be more for what I'm about to say, but like if you know someone like Tori Amos who has re-released certain songs and remastered and and I don't think it's realistic in this era to say, I know you already bought this record that you love so much in 1996, and then it was re-released and you bought it again, and then it was re-released and you bought it again, and then again, that you hit a point of like diminishing returns on the spending. And so I just kind of want like a regular subscription to this album. And every time she updates it, and every time she puts a bonus track on it, I get it because I've already paid into it. And I'll pay the deluxe version. I don't care. $750 a year. Cool. And the fact that I feel like Marvel, DC, Disney, Warner Brothers, Peacock, Paramount Plus, and the fucking Logo Network can't fucking seem to figure out how to make these things for themselves. That they can't make a good uh, Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic that does what we're saying. And that there are going to be people who watch this and message us and be like, thank God you explained some of that shit. Because I could not figure it out through all of Marvel's official media for it. Oh my God, because your whole thing, you know, this person had to explain that, had to explain that, had to explain that. I literally opened this whole thing with this. It's it's not a payoff. It's just too much data. Yep. And, you know, I think taking it back to Unlimited is a really good point because I think we all buy into Unlimited for the back catalog for sure. Mm -hmm. We do want to make sure that we have access to digitally everything that we might want to read whenever we're like, you know, it's time to go back and redo the claremont run we want to be able to get our tablets out and start doing that that's what the 9.99 a month is for i would say i'm i'm happy to not 
to be reading all of the fresh content that comes out for that, I would much rather be paying an additional five to $10 for that content to be properly supported and integrated into the Marvel storytelling ecosystem. Yep. Because right now, those are the two things that it's not. It's really regularly published. I think they put great creators on it. I think those creators make very good art. Uh, it feels like what they are told is do whatever you want. No one cares anyway. This is not a physically published book. If you amaze us, your six issue unlimited run will get a limited print of just that. And it's not going to be any good because you designed it for vertical scrolling and we're going to print it, you know? So it's just, those aren't the terms that I want for the creatives. And they're not the terms that I want for myself to use this, uh, publishing distribution platform that connects to a shared universe. I really want this nimble platform that can doesn't have to worry about paper shortages, delivery trucks, anything like that. You can get the thing out as soon as it has been, you know, created and and seen by an editor. I want that thing to be used to support stories like this that are cool but complicated. And sort of lacking in supportive tissue. Well, and you know, I'm thinking about the nature of the ecosystem itself. And like, when you talk about Marvel Unlimited as a back matter catalog, you're talking about like, you know, okay, then liken it to Disney Plus, liken it to Netflix or, you know, Hulu, anything. But you pay per comic book when you go and buy new books. You don't pay per TV show when you watch television. You pay per movie but there's a movie a week you go see. You're not expected to buy nine movies to make one movie make sense. And so I think we really are at a point where they need to figure out better ways to utilize these formats because they really are falling behind the weight of their own storytelling. You know, you tell us, look at this big, amazing, what was it? No Man's Sky. They swore that no one would run into each other for 130 years and people met day like 72. Like, it's just you can't promise us something unlimited, but then provide it in a limited method. And so I do think that is really what this was lacking, because, you know, from here, we go into a bunch of side stories that are meant to enhance this general initial narrative. But I think they actually introduce so many side narratives that they don't do it any favors. Nope. Especially because they're starting and introducing app here. It's not. If this Luke Cage book were uh, a, a 12 issue and they had had four issues already leading up to Gang War and then, you know, got started at issue five with the Gang War tie in, I think we would be having a different discussion about just like uh, Luke Cage as mayor. Luke Cage as mayor is hugely important. So defining. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard shit about it since Thunderbolts and Thunderbolts kind of treated it like a little bit of a joke. Uh, and really wanted to focus more on, I mean, it was an ensemble cast. They focused a lot on other people. They couldn't just do Luke, but Luke Cage is a name. Luke Cage is a name that's been on books before. It's not unreasonable to think he would be again. And even if we're not getting a Luke Cage book, I would have liked to have seen Luke in more stuff between Thunderbolts and now just getting into what this run for him has been like because we got a lot of that for wilson and daredevil and i loved it i lived for it uh wilson as mayor 
was cool. Obviously not a good guy, but great stories really you know him versus the strom wins uh you know him having an anti-hero antagonist as protagonist story uh in being finally getting to the top of what he thought was his food chain and of course knowing it's not it at all i've got to go even bigger luke cage deserves all of those stories as well you know he deserves his parallels to those stories as does his wife uh, and I guess because they're just never going to not put Danny Rand in the book, as does Danny Rand. You know, another person who should have shown up, um, Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, Lin Lie. Uh, another character that I really would have liked to have seen in this. Um, there's just, there is stuff clearly that should be happening for these characters that... Uh, I'm not ready to just open up the page of a very complicated Spider-Man mafia book and tie Luke into that and forget all of the stuff that I hope for him. And the same applies to Spider-Woman. Well, I want to hit Miles up first because yeah, he's next on the list. Sure. And, you know, the one thing I really want to point out about this Miles issue, this provided me with a very different complaint. You know, I hear what you're saying. You wish that Luke Cage and Spider-Woman came in in the middle of some shit. Oh, my God. This Miles issue is issue three of three. This yeah, is this part, is not good. This is yeah. part three of the three-issue arc. And it starts in the middle of this other thing. And none of it makes any fucking sense if you're reading Gang War. And you're like, oh, this is Gang War, though. And it's not. And then I read 13. And 13 is Gang War's here. But then 13 doesn't go with 12 so much at all. So 12 is a Blade story. It's a Blade and Bloodline story. Bloodline is Brielle, daughter of Blade. She's awesome. Uh, it is really amazing to have three black supernatural characters on page together being black supernatural characters. You know, I for as much as I love Luke Cage, when we say street level, a lot of times what's being said is where urban people go. So basically you're going to find a lot of black people there uh, to see spider, a black Spider-Man and a black man fighting vampires with his daughter. I mean, that's cool. It's yes. just, it's good to break out of boxes. So it's a great storyline. But again, if we're talking crime stuff and we're talking about how, you know, Frost Pharaoh can be involved, which we're going to get to next issue. There's a bunch of very, uh, Ooh, ooh, type of criminals involved here they have real superpowers they could be doing other stuff but they are just doing drug crimes there's no reason vampires can't be doing that this story could have been again a smooth ramp into gang war i get that miles has to jump off of this blade story and go do uh brooklyn turf war stuff but the vampires could have been involved in the gang war as well like we could have had a much clearer thing happening instead this is mostly a vampire story at which at a certain point somebody cuts in and goes hey i know you're busy doing vampire stuff but new york is on fire go new york instead and he goes bye blade bye bloodline i gotta go brooklyn and then he brooklyn's which is very fun very good but what are we doing here guys why did you why did you slap gang war on this and tell people to read it and not say oh, by the way, we're in the middle of a story. This is going to get very complicated for you one way or the other uh, if you're just starting here and like deciding that, oh, Gang War looked cool to me. I'm going to look at the checklist that you printed in the back of the book 
and pick up the issues that you told me to. It feels a weird mix of cynical and stupid. It's genuinely not a balanced storytelling method because what trade is this going in? And then you actually defeat the quality of my interest. Now I don't think any tie-ins are important. Now, if this had a central mini, I would read that and nothing else because I've had this, this label gang war on three issues that had nothing to do with gang war. Um, I also, while I'm really into this and I'm really, I'm really enjoying Ziegler's interpretation of miles. It does sort of feel like miles is a green lantern. Now, it kind of feels like, oh, I can make that power really quick. No problem. Give me a minute. And I love that. Uh, but it is putting him in a very different league than Peter. Um, Peter isn't making energy swords. You know what I mean? And so, like, the only other thing I just... Miles has been involved in so many Spider-Verse things that the line where he says, oh, that's what getting hit by my Venom Blast feels like? Oh, ouch. Are you telling me he's never fought another Miles? Are you telling me he's never fought somebody who can copy his powers? I get the cute of the line, but it's the kind of cute line that the second time you read it immediately loses logical coherence. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. And I, he, he's, he's been on his own journey. I love that. Uh, but a lot of this is magnetizing him and Peter. And we know after this, we're getting Spider-Men where they agree that they need to hang out more, uh, which I think is weird, but <laughs> very funny. Um, but this is this is one of the more interesting ones. Like, as critical as I'll be, I'm also, I think Marvel is trying and doing interesting stuff and doing their best and not giving up, and I really do appreciate that. Uh, this young person of color does need to continue to wear the title of Spider-Man. Uh, and I understand that for some people, it will always be Peter Parker, and Peter Parker will never not be Spider-Man. So we just have two people named Spider-Man, but it really feels like they are on two different levels. Like, yeah, when you're the guy with the Venom sword and the person who's holding it down at 16 in a much more complicated Marvel universe than Peter Parker was when he was holding it down at 16. Meanwhile, Peter is 35. God damn it. I know he's only like supposed to be 26, but he's 35 and having mental breakdowns, like on the regular can't handle his stuff. Very fun to see. That's his own stuff. I'll still read those issues, but these two guys are really, really different and seeing them both be Spider-Man in a way where somebody consistently is saying they need to be together. They need to be parallel. Uh, we can throw uh, Spider-Gwen in the mix, and then the three of them are the three Spider-Amigos who are just want to be friendly neighborhood Spider-People. That gets tougher and tougher when multiversal shenanigans, power upgrades get introduced, and only for some people some of the time. Sometimes it's Peter. Sometimes it's Peter doing the Spider-Verse stuff, and then it just seems like, well, why are you bothering poor Miles, who's just trying to get to high school, uh, but lately it's been Miles who's doing all the stuff and Peter really is barely paying rent. And then suddenly somebody comes in and goes like, no, we're going to level them out somehow. And it always feels a little disjointed. And, you know, I think that might even be, if we want to just jump to 13 since it's right here. Yeah. I mean, you we're know, basically in it. I, 13 really threw me off because there's this big speech between Peter and Miles in Gang War Alpha Zero Number One Part A Schedule B whatever um where 
you know, Miles is like, you really dicked me, dude. That was not cool. And Peter's like, yeah, gotta be better. All of that emotional oomph is gone in this issue. It's just a little too chaotic for there to be emotions in it. It's a lot of fun, but that is the nature of this trade-off. When they're together, it does feel like it's always got to be the event book, which is why I'm looking forward to Greg Weissman's upcoming work on the two characters. That's um, Spider-Man. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me that it's the amazing Greg Weissman, who, dear listener, his uh, Twitter has been hacked. So if you follow him uh, and wild stuff is coming out of there, pray for the poor man. It really just sucks. Anyway. Hopefully uh, he comes out of this uh, stony day into his... No. No. If you don't have something, don't ramble through it. (laughs) I love you, Kevin. He was going to make a gargoyles joke, guys, but he was not prepared to finish a gargoyles joke. No. But we love him. We do. Um, It's super cool to see Misty Knight and Colleen wing. But again... Two people who probably could have used a book. A book! Probably could not have used a cameo in um, Miles Morales. Uh, but again, great Miles interacting with a woman of color who teaches him how to fight. There's great things here. The fact that they show up and they're in the mix, really cool. But we're stacking this roster of cool characters. And meanwhile, everything is in service of the core book amazing spider-man and everything outside of that sort of feels like i can't actually tell you if this is important or not you need to buy it and then make it work in your own heart or be surprised like it's a real juggling situation uh miles this book ran way before it will go on after miles is a character i care about a lot the relationship with Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, I really hope something materializes out of that. Um, there's a bunch of cool stuff here, so like I'm not worried. But again, Luke Cage, I think you baited and switched me here. I think I really went into this being like, we've heard nothing from this man. I love him so much. I love that he's mayor of New York. I gotta pick up this book. I see now that when this terminates at issue four, I'm probably not hearing from Luke Cage again for a year. Well, okay. Kevin, would you please bring us to that beautiful board of all the books? Yes. I need to say something about people you will never see ever again, ever, ever again. I think that Spider-Woman's Child is Emily D. Ravine's squirrel baby. I think um, she Wait, wants... Wait, is that Roswell or Lost? Lost. Okay. Lost. Where's my squirrel baby? You know, and you know... She's... What is this... And they did it on Once Upon a Time, too, didn't they? They just oh, keep yeah. making her pregnant and just yep. baby problems. That poor she woman. She actually was also pregnant on Roswell, if you will remember. Alien. Yeah, that's that's why I asked so, if yeah, you were talking about... Trifecta. God damn. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is... I, I'm actually... I'm, I'm no longer enjoying this idea. Like, she can't find her baby. It feels a little um, Lisa Stansfield, but I'm going to find... But it's getting weird. Uh, is she going to find it at like 30? Like, I don't. So for one thing, again, I love that we come to the baby from a certain angle because we've met this baby before <laughs> in the pages of MC2. And this baby sucks. This baby sucks. <laughs> so I don't oh, care if they no. ever find this baby. Spider um, boy. The uh, other one. Yeah. Now th- this would be a hilarious spider boy. Um, mom stories are always tough 
I loved that women got really behind supporting women's wrongs when it came to Wanda and the mom story of that being just kind of a woman treated like shit, uh, reaching out for this one thing that she really cared about and going too far because women get pushed too far. This is not that. This is just a very confused person who has been so cool in the past and who rubs elbows with the coolest people and could be a really important part of this story and is, but then also randomly uh, Dingo's ate her baby. And we are supposed to care for Spider-Verse reasons, which not the time or place if somebody had kidnapped that baby in a gang war scenario, I think that would have been great. I writers kidnap babies Kid, with gang. Duh. Uh, yeah. But the fact that the baby is a void missing from the web of uh, spider stuff. And, and that Julia Carpenter is in the mix. I, Okay. Some of the, okay, I love Julia Carpenter as I Madam do, Webb, yeah. but at the same time, sometimes all of her spells are just sort of like whatever the like flushing version of Cockney rhyming slang is. Yeah. It's all just very spiders in the web. I've gone crazy in the head. It's all very like uh, it's very um Also, get a second outfit, Carmen San Diego. Oh my god. And like the, actually uh in Luke Cage when we get to it, I kept thinking that Jessica Jones was a lightly colored Monet. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. I, that jacket. Yeah. It's too yeah. one thing. Yeah. Especially because of how often they've really botched Monet's coloring. Uh, Monet's coloring. Right. And of course I'm talking about Monet exchange appearing. I did have to be like, no, she wouldn't be in a comic book. Who's he talking? <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Monet. Yeah. Um, Monet. X Croy. So, Oh, fine. Say it right. So, um, Ultimately, this Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the Spider-Woman issue was fun. Yeah. And and she's she's great. She's Carol shows up like you really do get the it's you get the sense that like she's one of the big ones. Like she's one of the greats. She's one of the OG heroes. Put some respect on her name. Uh, that is in the words that people in the book say. But I don't know that the plot gives her that same respect. Uh, also, she's really into getting it diamond back, which I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's in there. That's the thing. There's so much stuff happening. Uh, I'm sure somewhere in there, there's an explanation for why she is so obsessed with diamond back for sure, but I'm juggling too much stuff right now. Forgot what that is. So later when she shows up in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 39, I want to say, and Spider-Man's like, we got to do this. There's mole people. We got to figure all this stuff out. She's like, cool, I'm going to get Diamond back. He knows what he did. I just... Are, do, baby, well, I'm I don't. Now? Yeah, I'm very confused. And I... It sounds so silly, but like, why are there two books about women with kid issues being written by gay dudes who like self-insert themselves? Like, it's like the, the, and I'm like, I'm trying to find like yeah. the masters of these characters, um, bigger canon. I feel like, uh, Steve Orlando is doing some big swings with Wanda. And I feel like Steve Fox is doing some big stuff with spider woman here. And I just maybe would love to see a woman write these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing about these dudes is a problem. Um, but 
women should be the ones doing these. Yep. Agreed. Uh, you know, I don't have too much more about Spider-Woman. No. Uh, this is one... I'm hoping this one keeps going. Yes. this is not Spider-Woman gang. Luke Cage is Luke Cage gang war. That yeah. is ending. This we're a little less clear on. This is Spider-Woman number one with a gang war at the top. Uh, so I'm really hoping this continues. Um, or, you know, maybe gets an additional couple issues that are outside of gang war. Uh, but still sort of... I, I can't invest. I can't get too excited because... I think we're getting a little bit of the short end of the confusion stick with a lot of this stuff. Speaking of, you know, the short end, we've been pushing at it. Let's get to it. Luke Cage one and two. I don't like this new costume. I actually, my biggest problem with it is it doesn't not look like Luke Cage. Like it's just not great. So there's a whole, contrivance that luke can't fight because he the law is still in effect no superheroes in manhattan and he hasn't gotten it off the books yet and so he the mayor can't be seen to be in violation of the of the law uh so he puts on a, a very not face or body hiding suit goes out with his very recognizable wife and best friend who he is always around the two of those people. And so those two people are just with a large black man that can't be shot. Oh, and they're also being surrounded by two superhumans who are constantly assisting Luke Cage over and over again for the last 15 years. So, you know, the idea that, and, and so this all ends with a villain being like, I bet you don't know how I figured out it was you, Luke Cage. And again, this is one of those things where I imagine if I had read closer, it's somewhere buried in there that there's a reason why this isn't kind of very silly, but uh, not the greatest costume in the world. And then the idea that the costume even would matter, like that Luke Cage, from a writing perspective, that somebody decided that the idea was he's constrained by this law so he won't break it he'll put the costume on rather than this event is so insane he's just gonna break this stupid law that he wants to anyway and chance the consequences this feels like one of those things that i feel like an editor could have been like great first script i think one change i would have made let's just have him be luke cage and you know he can say that he'll he'll accept the consequences of being a superhero even though it's a law that he is technically supposed to enforce that he shouldn't be one also get rid of the giant robots uh i am not an alistair Smythe guy i am not a spider slayers guy and this just feels so forced into luke's story I, also because he Alice, alexander Smythe was not in the gang mix yeah don't add another dude is the worst possible time to do it because black mariah is running around she's in this there are so many other people that could have had access to robots if you just needed foot soldiers for a bunch of ass kickers to just destroy there are the map is big guy like there the that group gang group that is on our cover image that's not everybody there are many more people in the mix uh, this easily could have been Count Nefaria. Yes. Um, and the Magia. Like, there's, uh, there are options. So adding Smite, for me, that was one of the biggest things. I was like, really? We're putting another dude in here? 
that I have no investment in, that isn't a Luke Cage villain, that has nothing to do with what Luke needs to be worrying about, which is kind of how legal battles and actual violence coincide when you are a person that has decided to take a peaceful route, but are, you know, used to being somebody who solves his problems with his fists. Um, there's a bunch of interesting stuff there and it doesn't not get covered. It's just in the midst of it getting covered, we do uh, a Spider-Man C tier villain side quest. Um, Cloak and Dagger being in the mix is weird because they're also uh, doing Krakoa stuff right now where they've been co-opted by Orcus. So again, is this before or after? I'm very confused. Yeah, because that's even like part of the issue for me is Orcus and everything going on there yep. is definitively post Hellfire Gala. Hellfire Gala is definitively pre-gang war. So, uh, oh, is that true? I mean, Hellfire Gala has to have come before this because of the Mary Jane stuff. Huh. So this has to be happening concurrent with fall of the house of X. Like th there's gotta be some ordering there because post hellfire gala is, you know, Mary Jane stuff and like all of the, the Spider-Man stuff. And like, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Interesting. That's, I was looking for those definitive anchors. I wasn't really thinking enough. You, you, but again, this is, this is part of it. The, you're juggling a lot to make this all make sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, the, what the locations are, what the timing is, who all the villains are, who all the heroes are, what their stuff together is. It's just a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that it's a lot. I wish they were maybe owning up to that a little bit more. And again, give me unlimited stuff. Give me uh, an extra 20 pages in something. Give me a separate core book. I really, that's another big one. I doing this all as amazing Spider-Man killing me a little bit, but you know, I'm rooting for Luke Cage. I, I would love just to see this be a really solid story and somehow defying all odds because I just can't see how it would do this. Getting people wanting a Luke Cage mini maxi ongoing anything. This is a guy that deserves it or, you know, make him very present in something else. Um, but he's the mayor of New York. And if that matters when it's Wilson Fisk, it has to matter when it's Luke Cage. Uh, and Jessica deserves to be around too. And Jessica, so just, uh, th there's this awful thing that happens where like, it's hard to tell a story about a superhero couple that doesn't neuter both or one yeah. of them. Yeah. This is uh, an unfortunate situation where I feel like Jessica Jones is deeply nerfed. Yeah. It's weird. The, every, like she keeps coming in and being the like don't fight because of the kids person but that doesn't really feel like her and then whenever she has to fight she's really the ace in the hole she's the very powerful one she's kind of going to be indestructible in the fight so why is she constantly not wanting to fight when she can kick everyone's ass it's a little bit odd um they both deserve something i mean seeing all of the other characters here Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Danny. Like, these people should get... I, I don't want to do another Heroes for Hire book, but something that succeeds what Heroes for Hire once was, because these are all adults that no longer need gig economy superheroing. Like, 
Let's do it. They all deserve it. They're they're characters that deserve more visibility. Danny kind of deserves less, uh, but you know maybe more visibility as just not Iron Fist would be enough. And you know they tried it a couple of years ago when Bendis and his like leaving Marvel moves uh, did that Defender series. Yeah, uh, where it was Luke and Danny and Matt and Jess. You know, all said and done, I wish for stronger from this Luke Cage series, but it's not a bad book. No, it's just being forced into an event it doesn't belong in yeah. or it belongs more than Luke belongs in the event. This story does not belong in the event. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that does kind of just leave us with uh amazing Spider-Man 39. Yep. And uh daredevil. Yep. Where do you want to start? Um, let's, let's do <laughs> daredevil because I think that's a really special one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I think Spider-Man just kind of tells us where we're looking to in the future. Yeah. This daredevil book. Um, I feel like it's such a good daredevil title. This could have just been like an alternate, like an alternating numbering for daredevil getting us, you know, get a solid and Ahmed issue and then get this gang war title alternating it's also of note that i believe it's written by erica schultz yeah who is a you know obviously uh, a female presenting name um and it's so great to have a woman writing electra uh super exciting to see because she is such a complicated female character that um could be boiled down to just sex or boiled down to just stabby stabby man stuff and uh they don't this is a really interesting way to see electra be daredevil not in daredevil yeah um it's, you know, you also mentioned the idea of having larger issues of Daredevil where, you know, it's half Matt, half Elektra. Um, it's so good to see her headlining a book after all that, after the journey that she has been on since the Zadarsky run started. Um, it's, of all of the titles that have the problem of they should get their own title anyway. They shouldn't have to be part of gang war. This is the one that kind of just, it just ends up working the best because this kind of feels like this is what Electra would be doing anyway. Luke, this does not feel like what Luke would be doing anyway, particularly when you get into the real, like Alexander Smythe spider slayer stuff. Uh, that doesn't feel like Luke's battle. If it were Luke at city hall, you know, defending that part of Manhattan, from the gang stuff, you could maybe convince me that like, that's what Luke would be doing anyway. This is a cool Luke story. That's just branded. Electra's really does feel like, uh, you know, she's going to be in hell's kitchen defending hell's kitchen. Cause that's what daredevil does. And of course, hell's kitchen is like ground zero for Marvel street crime stuff. Like that's the first place we all think of. That's when we, when we talk about street level crime in Marvel, that is the one. Wilson Fisk and Hell's Kitchen and Daredevil defending it. So it really makes sense that Elektra is there and because of that is just part of this event. Um, the fact that there's a lot of other stuff going on with Daredevil makes it not the like swimming A plus that I wish it was. Um, Matt is in a weird place right now. We really ended quickly and hard off the Zadarsky run. And it just sort of, we never got a chance to decompress, particularly with this character who I think I, I see as a headliner. Um, I, I think it's sort of insane that we're, it's taking this long. And we're, again, we're getting 
Daredevil gang war for her. We're not getting Daredevil her own series. Uh, but all that said, it's a good book. Feels like a really real Electra story. Um, the fact that we, our villain is a newcomer and unknown who Electra says she's me. Like she's who I was when I was an assassin. And now I have these, which hello cover artist. This is annoying. Those sides have tips on them. Well, it's like, why is Danny wearing the iron fish shirt on that cover? Right. Exactly. For Luke Cage. It's like, I know you need us to know who he is, but he does not wear that now. Yep. And Electra does not use size with tips anymore because she does not stab people anymore. No. Uh, which we love. We love that she really committed to this. And the only thing I would maybe say, uh, like if I could have a conversation with Erica Schultz or if I were an editor on this book, there was a little bit of, um, I'm doing this all for Matt. I promised Matt. And the Zdarsky run made it pretty clear that she was doing this all for Matt. She promised Matt. It's been a minute now. Maybe this is just who she is. And maybe it started because she promised Matt. But now maybe she just actually is a good person and she just doesn't kill because that's life is better that way. Uh, that's kind of a cool moment of character growth, which like comics, I think sometimes really have a problem with a character moving past that solemn promise that they made. But we evolve. We as people make the solemn promise and then like, you know, years pass and it's not really the only thing getting us out of bed in the morning. It's the thing that spawned us to become the person that can get out of bed without any problem. And I just feel like she's kind of there. So a lot of the like, I want to stab this person, but I told Matt, uh, it rings just a little bit like, okay, seen it, done it. Once was enough. Well, and like, I'm a little frustrated because she sort of seems to be under the impression that Matt's not around. Yeah. Uh, and that's, this is the double frustration of not having any idea what's happening in the pages of Matt's daredevil book or what the future of this character is. This gets us back to the point of like, how are we investing right now? I don't know if the solid and Ahmed run is a 12 issue like the Avengers run, which we have now been seeing increasingly this great Jed McKay run is not going to be a magnum opus, Jason Aaron three year run. It's ending at 12. We're moving on to something ironically to probably a Chip Zdarsky thing. That's the next phase of Avengers that really is getting promoted as the big thing. This Matt run so far has gone so far under the radar and just kind of come out and just been like, whatever, that it's really difficult to try and invest in what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, with him, with her, whether she knows that he's there, whether we're waiting on them to reunite as daredevils. Because I just sort of feel like I'm about to hear that, you know, um, Zeb Wells, uh, Ben Percy, any number of people have been called to do the next phase of Daredevil, in which no matter what Solid and Ahmed really does or says, it will be a footnote when this new person comes in and establishes a status quo that says everything that you heard and was the drama of daredevil for the last year sort of doesn't matter anymore because you can see a sleeper run. You can see when, Oh, a book might wind up important. Like it's a magic start, but it doesn't get the attention right away. What do we just find out is now the most important thing in the Marvel universe. <laughs> um, uh, the Ultraverse crossover. Oh, yeah, the Ultraverse crossover <laughs> with the Ego Stone. For those of you who uh, are staying spoiler-free, the Ego Stone might find its way back into the Marvel Universe at some point. 
that thing has been in a couple of AU things. Good luck. Um, oh, man. Okay. But so here's my question. Really? Yeah. With this title being kind of skewed from Daredevil's timeline, Daredevil's title, this ends in March. Yeah. This ends the month after everything else does. Yeah. Do you think it's because of um, Daredevil? Do you think this was pushed back a little bit because something's going on with Daredevil where the books might sync back up or? Uh, well, I sync up is a weird word because this is Daredevil gang war. This isn't Daredevil. So uh, this ends when, at, you know, this ends at issue four or maybe it's five, but four. Yeah. Yeah. Four. Um, like on my ego, it's true. Uh I I would love, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. I don't even know if I would love. I have no idea. Uh, I could see it syncing up, sure, but I wouldn't know what that means. And then I get into the confusion of, like, you're, you were announcing new X-Men books eight months before they come out. You're not prepared to tell me that in March we're going to align our Daredevils? Help me out here. Like, I care about the Daredevils. I don't really care about adding another X-Men book to the roster. So if this is, if there's a plan here, now would be a good time to tell me because I've been spending the last, I had been spending the last like four years of Daredevil uh, with a really serious plan in place. I was in the middle of the Red Fist saga and everything was happening in the pages of Daredevil that I needed to know. And it was very simple. Now we're in a weird nebulous zone and I could maybe use somebody saying, this is this is the plan. I feel like we're probably close to some kind of announcement, but that has more to do with the fact that we're close to an announcement with Born Again. And I think we're close to an announcement with the Marvel Universe at large. Yeah, too. we're we're coming to yeah. next phase time for everything. So, you know, but what's clearly stuck in this phase until March, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, 39 has my attention in a bad way. Yeah. In the reverse of this Daredevil issue. This Daredevil issue, even if it had a little too much going on, gave me things I could buy into, accept, believe, and understand. It wasn't too far at any point. The Amazing Spider-Man issue read like a beat sheet, not like an issue. And I could not keep up with how many things in the issue would be like, oh no, this is a conflict we're going to be stuck with. Let's resolve it on the next page. Resolved. Next conflict. It almost felt like this was supposed to be three issues and got squeezed into one. Yeah. I didn't not enjoy it, but there wasn't a lot to enjoy. This was half of what ought to have been gang war number one following zero, which is the one where the villain stuff gets explained. This was half of this issue was just explaining where each superhero is going to go. How are we divvying up the various territories? This is where we get the line where uh, Spider-Woman is like, I got to go after Diamondback. I don't get why, girl. This is confusing to me. What is the what is the beef here? I think you guys had like one fight. Now you're very invested. It's odd. Uh, She-Hulk, where did She-Hulk come from? Need more information. But now they're just going to fight monsters who apparently live under Murray Hill. We're doing that now too. Meanwhile, entirely separate, the villains are all basically talking about more stuff. And we're getting into personal family drama, which that is some of the stuff that the book invested in way earlier. So that I don't super mind that they are paying off and doing stuff with. It is Beetle is Tombstone's daughter. 
she is married to uh, Robbie, who is not a criminal, uh, who is a friend of Peter's, who keeps getting caught up in all of this stuff. Who is uh, Robbie Roberts' son? Thank you. Um, and the family drama, like, it's been there. It's been present. I get it. But when you add 20 plus different gang villains with really varied agendas, uh, with varying writers throughout various books who will say, like, we're all working together. We're all in on it. And then suddenly you cut to the next scene in another book and they're all at each other's throats. Uh, I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying. And it's not even like I, I, I have a hard time really understanding what's happening, but I have a harder time being convinced that that's a problem. I'm just sort of like, well, it doesn't really matter because like somebody's going to kind of say something that is the only point to walk away with. And in yep. this case, it's Tombstone essentially being like, we're the good bad guys. We will be like uh, stopping the really bad bad guys and hoping we don't have to go to jail. Like we'll we'll get out of this, but we're not going to do gang wars. The other thing it pushes is this agenda of as long as the arc is going, it's a status quo. Mm -hmm. We now just have New York as a gang war, the status quo, but it can only last 48 hours, even though it should last six months. And it just gives us that everything is bad, the status quo. I don't think that's quite as likable. And I find myself a little stressed out. These characters all seem to, like, in the, the personal drama, they all seem terrible for each other, get away from each other. Peter isn't really offering much to the title. It's not that Zeb Wells isn't talented with Peter Parker. It's that I think this very awkward sort of indie film of amazing spider-man that we're getting this sort of like um you know like the kind of thing that if you were gay you could catch on cinemax at 1 a.m not because it was porny but because it was gay so they would only show it at 1 a.m on thursday like yeah. it's that for spider-man it's just that weird this is what it's like to have a hard time growing up. And I love those stories, but it is, it's issue 39 guys. And between all the tie-ins, there have been 80 between all of the issues of gang war and all of the issues of death of a friend and all of the issues of the uh, unlimited stories that tied in with characters like white rabbit. I'm at a hundred almost issues and I don't feel a hundred issues richer for Spider-Man. That is actually, that's the really the key. We have had so much content here. And I don't know what I'm taking out of it. Um, you've really tried to do a lot of pathos with like Beetle and Tombstone. But like, am I getting a Beetle and Tombstone book? Uh, am I seeing them anywhere else after this? Uh, same thing with White Rabbit. She's now like, she's gone from being like real crazy and wacky to now she and Beetle are like, she's like protecting Beetle and their friends. Uh, cute. Sure. Fine. Are they doing an anti-hero book? Uh, and it's not even like, are you giving me these books next year? It's will anybody reference these characters again in my thinking about this lifetime? Yeah. Or is this going to be in 20 years, some, you know, brilliant writer, Gen Z kid who grew up with these books is going to be like, the thing I really loved was White Rabbit and Beetle. So 
you know, from the obscure gang war story, I'm finally writing their buddy uh, adventure book, which is always cute. I have those for myself, the dreams post Claremont era that were finally fulfilled. It's a lovely thing. It's just with so much ability to publish right now and so many opportunities for stories. Again, these can be unlimited. Uh, it's always tough when you see great potential and just know it's it's not really going anywhere. And the Spider-Man book has just churned out so much stuff and so many relationships and so many ideas. Uh, and I there's not a crew to pick up on any of these. I certainly know Dan Slott won't be doing it as he stays in the book. Uh, actually, Greg Weissman might be a really interesting person to pick up on some of this stuff. Yeah. And he's somebody who I could see doing it. But that's not... I can't expect that anymore. And I don't go into seeing great Marvel stuff expecting i'll get follow-up on it and i think that has been a tough thing about gang wars i'm just like okay we're establishing a lot of interesting stuff about how this world works and who's there and what kind of character they are and why i might care about them now pay that off you you told me to care about them but there won't be time because the book's going to definitely end at 50 right like, it's not going to 200, so it's going to end at 50. And why? What am I getting from this? Also, like, yeah, the Miles stuff, but the Miles stuff hasn't really been in this book. And yeah, Spider-Man and Daredevil have a long-standing relationship, but not... Last time we saw that was in Daredevil. Uh, it wasn't... Yeah, I mean, it's been two or three years. And it wasn't this Daredevil. Yeah. And what the fuck is She-Hulk doing here? what the fuck is spider woman doing here? Like these characters are amazing, but they're not the characters that define this run. So I find myself a little at odds with gang war. It, what feels like a climactic point of this era, but the event itself has been fine. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. I'm probably most excited to see how all of these stories come together. And if it's going to wind up with like, well, now what we all technically took over these areas. We can't just seed them to each other. How do we have, the crime stay organized like it's going to be interesting to see where this goes if it goes somewhere i completely agree i find myself when we talk about this kind of cast of characters i find myself wishing this was its own office this was the the street level of you know spider-man has his own office uh i always think that's a little silly because for all the effort that is put into it uh creatively we're never juggling stuff the way that, you know, the X-Men kind of need the office because it's five to 10 books at any given time. And you need some semblance of cohesion Spider-Man. Like sometimes there are a bunch, but usually it's two Spider-Man books, two Miles Morales books. And as we've seen, it sort of doesn't matter how they interact. Uh, it certainly hasn't mattered how Spider-Man uh, by Dan Slott and amazing Spider-Man by Zeb Wells have interacted like basically at all. Uh, so, I would put Spider-Man in an office with characters like this, who at this point, you know, these are all like really great legacy characters, OG characters, ones who I want to see, but I'd love to see them talking in a way that is worth my investment and not just showing up for gimmicks. And I think that's really going to be what gang war pays out or not. And I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I just hope, it doesn't leave the Spider-Verse a little worse for wear. I feel like a lot of these events have. I feel like Dark Web kind of did. 
Um, actually, I think Dark Web left the X-verse more worse for wear than the Spider-verse. But I don't know. I'm I'm feeling hopeful. This feels like we're a third of the way, if that. And there's a lot of room for the event to grow and a lot of these stars to shine. You know, it's time that Daredevil as, a, you know, Elektra as Daredevil gets a title. And I'm really excited to see where this goes. I'm real annoyed about that Spider-Boy on that cover. What is he doing there? But, you know, as long as this keeps up the energy, I'm good. I'm going to keep going. I'm definitely going to keep going. I'm excited. You know, there's still, there's stuff to come. Uh, I, we still haven't seen Mary or Wilson. Uh, I cannot wait for, uh, deadly fist of Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a bunch of stuff to be excited about here. Uh, and it, it has been fun for all of the criticism, uh, in general, it's been very fun and interesting to read. And I think this is a, a corner of the Marvel universe worth doing stuff with. I just would be doing some of it conceptually differently. Well, I don't know about you. I'm I'm kind of out of gang war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. We we got to go uh, hide undercover because there's not just bullets, but like uh, psychic blasts. Uh, a dude that doesn't look anything like an owl, but does owl stuff. Who, 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 who? I'm going to turn my neck funny. Uh, there's a guy with the most powerful flat top in existence. And uh, Luke Cage is running around swinging parking meters at people. So, yes, you pay them tickets. Uh, Meter Man. That's his new code name. But, okay. Okay. All right. All right. What was your top issue of the of the episode? Uh, uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. was your, what was your, I'm hoping for the most improvement from? Uh, oh, God. Um... I'll say for me, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> it's just not collating yeah. the, the story together. Right. I, I'm not hoping for improvement for it. So um, not because it can improve. I'm just not hoping. Uh, I guess it's Luke Cage. Uh, I don't say it like it's bad. Just I we've got two more issues left and I would love to not spend them on a C-list Spider-Man villain. Bless. Yeah. All right. Where can everybody find you? You oh, find wait, me. I, we forgot. Oh, Kevo. Do you care about any of this? Kevo, make you big. Make me big. What are your Hello. thoughts? Did you I, learn anything? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, as you were talking, I'm really glad that you brought up Dark Web because I kept getting that same vibe of Dark Web kind of felt like nothing. So it feels like this might be another nothing. I think I was most intrigued during your discussion of the power disparity between Miles and Peter. And I actually came to a feeling of liking that there is a disparity between them. Because it always felt like it was kind of a joke when Peter Parker would show up in huge Avenger-level stuff. Because he's not quite the same as, like, a Thor. But I feel like if we give Miles Morales the ability to be that sort of powerful, we can have a Spider-Man that is, like, for those big things, while also still having a Spider-Man that's more human and street-level, which we kind of do still need. You know, when you say that, the first thing I always think about is, like, there's a few uh, giant splash panels of, like, all the heroes fighting a person. Onslaught's, like, one of the biggest ones I think of. And it's everybody blasting him with energy. And then Peter just, what's he's just swinging. Because what's he going to do? So he's just, yeah. there's just a web swinging. And then Wolverine's claws are just out. But, again, Wolverine can't fire energy at the guy. And he's intangible. So what are these two guys going to do? 
And it's always just a funny moment where they're like, we need the splash page and our two biggest characters need to be in it. Uh, but logistically, neither one of them can affect this like energy being ending the world. Well, Kevo, until Onslaught comes around to end this event and put the gangs back to bed. Be a way to do it. Right? That'd be one way. Hi, guys. I've decided I'm going to be a psychic gang lord. Hey. That's my Onslaught impression. That is what he sounds like, canonically. Hey. I've heard Kevo. it. <laughs> Kevo, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can mostly find me tooling around this network, making a lot of really cool things for us, uh, like the awesome Lego holiday advent calendar that we've been unboxing. It's a jetpack. We got jetpacks. We got uh, Lego snakes. Candy, Candy Spelling's gift wrapping room is one of my favorite uh, mm -hmm. of the shorts. Uh, Nico's explosion over that. We also have cool things like a cool medley of holiday music by our very own Nico Action. So definitely make sure that you're checking out his music over on Lay Sound Cloud. Uh, and other than that, you can find me over on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. Oh, and you can find me over at TK Elemental. And you can find me over at Nico Action. It's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-N. And we got three things you got to do for us. Number one, stay safe. There's a gang war going on. Number two, be brave. There's a gang war going on. And number three... Evolve daily. So you get powers to fight in the gang war. The gang war! It's the gang up. war. A gang war for flying. That was your outro line? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll stay frozen. Oh, okay. Freeze. <laughs>